The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. John, I'm one of the pastors here, and we're glad uh, that you've chosen uh, to be with us. Uh, it's Memorial Day, time to get together and have a barbecue. Some of you maybe watch a race, uh, but we don't want to forget what Memorial Day is about, and that's a day that we remember in memoriam uh, those men and women, those individuals that have given their lives in service uh, to their country so that we can be a country that is free and worship in freedom. And so uh, that's what uh, tomorrow is all about. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's almost become traditional that we also celebrate those uh, who offered themselves as a living sacrifice. Maybe they didn't give their life, uh, but uh, they uh, lived in service uh, for us. So I would just ask right now, if you uh, are serving or have served in either the active duty or reserves, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine, Coast Guard, would you just stand uh, right now so we can recognize you and thank you for your service? Would you do that for us? Thank you. Outstanding. We salute you uh, for your service, but if we tried to salute, we'd probably do it wrong. I mean, really, so we do it like that. So, um, I've been sharing, I think I've shared uh, this before, that when I was a kid, I always wanted to belong to one of those branches. I, I wanted to serve. That was like my boyhood dream. And without boring you with all the details, my life uh, got sidetracked into a little bit of a different direction. It had to do with where I grew up. It had to do with what I was good at. And, and uh, uh, for, you know, for me, I wasn't good at a lot of American sports, traditional American sports. And you know, as you've heard me say before, I was a little soccer player, having been raised in Haiti, and I came to the United States. And it was a perfect time, because when I came back to the United States at age 14, uh, soccer wasn't real big here. So you know, in Haiti, I was kind of like, you know, okay, white guy playing, right? When I got to northern Indiana, I was the bomb, right? Because all these guys knew how to do was shoot three-pointers and play basketball and baseball, and here they started a soccer team, and that kind of became my thing, right? And so somewhere in my teenage years, you know, actually doing quite well in this sport, my dream became to be, you know, I wanted to belong to a professional soccer team. That was the big deal. That's what I started working for. 
15, 16, I started believing that I could do it. I started training that way. I started positioning myself. I wanted to be a pro athlete. Now, I know some of you right now, you're like, is this going to be a soccer sermon? Because that's a communist sport. Well, you're mean, right? (laughs) Just dial it. I, I mean, if you've ever been a part of anything, whether you're an artist, you're an athlete, or, you know, whatever skill, I mean, for many of us, I mean, that becomes an aspiration, a, a, you know, a desire to be at the highest level that we could possibly be at that. And for me, it was to be a pro soccer player. And in 1994, I signed a contract with the Charlotte Eagles Soccer Club of the USISL. And I became a pro soccer player. At the time, the USISL, or those of us who played in the USISL, 94, I know, some of you are like, did they even have people then? (laughs) Yeah. At the time, that was the highest professional soccer league in the United States. It was this national deal. and, And man, that was a big moment for me. I was a pro. Yeah? And in my mind, I'm going to be completely honest with you. You can abuse me about it later. I was kind of a big deal. I'm a pro. Didn't know if you knew that, right? Didn't pay, get paid that much, but I was a pro, right? Preseason came. And uh, what you find out real quick when you're a professional athlete is that There's a lot of guys that did quite well in high school. In fact, you find out that there's a lot of guys on the team that were were the man in college. And see, I had all those things. Plymouth High School, Plymouth, Indiana. I was the man when it came to soccer. Indiana Wesleyan University in the NAIA. I was the man. But then I got to the pro ranks. And you know what I found out? Everybody had been the man. And not everybody could be the man on a pro team. See, the way it worked out was this, is there was 28 players on our roster. Out of those 28 players, only 18 could put on a uniform for any given match. And out of those 18 players, only 11 would actually start the match and play the majority of the time. So you've got 11 starters, you've got another 7 substitutes, and then you've got another 10 players that don't even dress for a home game. Guess where I spent most of my time? Not in the starting 11. I was on the Charlotte Eagles for four years. And if I'm honest with you, I was a pro soccer player, but I spent most of my time as a sub. In fact, I spent a lot of my time just trying to get on the substitute's bench. It was highly competitive. We had Division I athletes there. We had guys that had played in the World Cup. We had Colombians and Scotsmen and Englishmen and, you know, all manner of internationals were there. And so when I got there thinking that I was the big deal, I found out I wasn't that big of a deal. And it was hard. I mean, I loved it, but it was hard. And, and if, if I'm honest with you, I spent a lot of time wondering, did I really belong? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever wondered, hey, do I really belong? Do you ever feel like you just don't fit or maybe you're just not good enough? You know, or maybe 
Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe it's at a job. The worst case is when it comes to the church. The worst is when it comes to being a part of God's family. There's a lot of us that struggle wondering, do I belong? Guys, I was talking to a guy just, uh, just a few minutes ago who has been a part of the tabernacle for nearly 40 years. You tracking with me? 40 years. He's been here longer than some of you have been alive. And he said to me, John, I still struggle at times because our church has grown so fast and there's so many new faces and I'm finding out that there's more people I don't know than people I know. And I'm wondering, do I belong here? We've been studying Romans chapter 12. This is our third week in this series we've called Worship. And one of the things we found out is that we're called to be worshipers and true worshipers offer themselves totally committed, just like I did when I signed on that dotted line. I don't remember if it was dotted, but we say dotted, whatever. I signed on the line and I became committed, right? And I was offering all of myself to this team. I belonged to that team. They had the rights to me to do with me what they would. And you and I as Christians, when we sign on a line... We're saying we've trusted God that through His Son and His sacrifice of what He did on the cross, that I'm adopted, I'm forgiven, I'm saved, I've been redeemed, I'm now a child of God and I'm a member of His kingdom. And in Romans chapter 12, Paul starts unpacking for us what this new life is, this life of worship. If you have a Bible, I'd love for you to... Uh, turn to uh, chapter 12. If you don't, we'll put the words up on the screen. And I want us to go back to verse 1 just so we can get the flow of where he's going. Are you okay? Is is everybody okay? I'd like to point out it's raining outside. Yeah, okay. Just wonder, because I I just see in these faces everybody's going, it's like like we're all animals in the ark. Is this baby going to (laughs) hold? It's going to hold, or we're going to get a new one, right? So in verse 1 of Romans chapter 12, this is what Paul writes. He says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. So true worship is offering all of yourself as a living sacrifice, to totally commit to that. And I just want to say today is that if you're not offering yourself in response to God as a living sacrifice, saying, God, because of what you've done for me, you can have all of me, you're missing out on something because it's the only way to worship Him. Being a halfway Christian doesn't work. Being just a, you know, maybe put one foot in the water, it really doesn't work. To truly experience the life and the peace that God offers us, salvation that begins now, eternal life that begins now, it starts by saying, okay, you gave me all of you, so I give you all of me. Living sacrifice. That's real worship. And then he goes on in verse 2. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. 
then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We talked about that last week, that now that I've offered myself to God, I need a new mind. Let me just point out something to some of us. Some of us were struggling with the Christian life because we've offered ourselves to God, but we still want to think like the world. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. If you've offered yourself to God and you're going to continue to think the way the world thinks, you're never going to experience change. Your new guide has to be God's word and God's truth. So we renew our minds. And then Paul is going to tell us in the next three verses, this is how we begin renewing our minds. This is what worship really looks like. In verse 3, he says, Because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give give each of you this warning. Now get this. Don't think that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. There's that word belong. Remember I told you as a, as a pro athlete, I struggled wondering, did I really belong at that level? Did I really belong on that team? And the reason that I struggled wondering whether or not I belonged, you can see it right in those verses. You see, I showed up thinking that I was God's gift to pro soccer. Here I am, center midfielder. I'm ready to take us to whatever heights we need to be taken to, right? And what I found out real quick is that I wasn't that big of a deal. That's the same thing Paul just said right there. Now, he tells us that we belong. He says we all belong to each other. If you're a Christian, you belong. Belong to who? Belong to what? First of all, if you're a Christian, you belong to God. Do you believe that? Okay, two of you do. Do you believe that you belong to God? Okay, you should believe that you belong to God. Because it's only through God that we have anything. How many times have we repeated that over and over in this church? We were, you know, we talk about it when we take an offering. We talk about how everything belongs to Him. You belong to God if you're a Christian. Let me put it in a different sense. He owns you. He owns you and everything you have. He owns the breath in your lungs. He owns the big shiny truck that you drove here in. He owns your house. He owns your kids. He owns your wife. He owns your husband. He owns your past because he paid for it, did he not? If you have trusted Christ with your life, he paid for your past. That means he owns your present and he owns our future. You belong in that sense to God. And because that came through Jesus Christ, we say, we also belong to Jesus. He's our God, He's our King, He's our Savior, He's our Lord. Do you believe you belong to Jesus? By the way, if you don't belong to Jesus, you can belong to Jesus. It's a pretty good deal. You trust Him with your life, He comes into your life, everything changes. And you have eternal life with Him. But Paul also said something in there. 
He says, you belong to each other. No, 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 wait a minute. I'll be a Christian. I'm, me and God are good. And me and Jesus are good. But I don't know about all these jokers. Do we believe there's no ways of words in Scripture? Take it up with Paul. Take it up with God. He says, in Christ, you not only belong to God, we not only belong to Jesus, but we all belong to each other, to the church. To the church universal, to anyone and everyone who's ever called themselves a Christian. You're either a brother in Christ or a sister in Christ. You're part of God's family. He compares it to the human body. The church is an organism. It's not really an organization. Although I understand we operate on the outside like an organization. But really we're an organism. You can't join this organism. You have to be born into it. And when we're born again, we're born into this organism. And you belong to each other. You may not like it. Sometimes we may not act like it. But we belong. And so if I'm going to be a living sacrifice and worship that way, I need to have God renew my mind. That was verse 2. So what verses 3 and 5 says is this is how this belonging or what it should look like. First of all, he says, be humble. Be humble. Did you catch that? When he said, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think of yourselves. That was me when I showed up with the Charlotte Eagles. I'm kind of a big deal. And then I found out, no, I'm not that big of a deal. It was very humbling. That's a hard lesson to learn at age 24 when you've always been the man. And I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful for it. Paul says, be humble. The only reason any of us are here is because of Jesus. The only reason that any of us are here is because the gift of salvation. The only reason any of us are here is because God loved us first. Church, let me ask in, in this, do any of us deserve to be a child of God? No. There's only one thing sinful human beings deserve, and that is to be damned in hell. Well, I'm a good person. Eh, compared to God? See, I think sometimes we lose sight of that. Paul said in that passage, he said, by the authority and the grace that's been given to me, I'm going to say to you. Even Paul doesn't step up and say, hey, be humble. He goes, I'm going to say something really hard and it's only because of his grace and authority that I can even say it. This is Paul who in 1 Timothy said, I, Paul, believe that there's one thing I know. Christ died to save sinners of whom I am the worst. Do you remember when he said that? Paul never lost sight of who he used to be. He used to be Saul the terrorist. Saul the persecutor of Christians. Saul the persecutor of the church. And he said, Christ died to save me. And he gave me this grace and he gave me the authority. So I'm going to say to every one of you, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. God owns you. Jesus bought you. Stay low. You guys, our pride is what always gets us in trouble. Pride is the root of all sin. When you and I start believing that I deserve better, I spent at least half 
of the four years that I played pro soccer thinking that I deserve better. How is that guy playing in my position? He, he doesn't know the game like I do. He doesn't have my skill. Oh, he's a little bit faster, but, uh, you know, I can jump. Uh, no, okay, I can't jump either. But, you know, when our brains start going like that, it becomes a cancer. It's very humbling to think about, I don't even deserve to be here. But, this belonging isn't just about knocking us down. If you notice in those verses, Paul also said, we've been given something, haven't we? He said, by what I've been given, by implication we've been given, and he says in verse 4, he says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. Did you catch that? So he compares the church to a human body. Now, I'm not an anatomy expert, but I know there's a lot of parts just on what I know. I know we got toes. I know we got feet. We got ankles. We've got bones. We've got legs, some of us. We have torsos. We've got arms. We've got fingers. We've got eyes, ears, nose, throat. I went to, we see him, one of those guys. He's called an ENT. We have hair. We have earlobes. They're floppy. We have a thing called a spleen. I don't know what it does, but it's fun to say, right? We have all these innards. We have a brain on all the parts of the eye. And so what Paul says is just like the human body has all of these parts, you and I are called to be a part of it and we all have a special function. So he starts by saying, be humble, but he just called me special. Do you feel special today? Do you feel special today? Well, you're welcome. I'm here for you. Paul says, if you're a Christian, you have a special function. Don't tune me out right now. This is for every man, woman, student, child who's listening. If you're a Christian, you have a special function in the body. You have a special part to play on the team. So on the one hand, he's saying be humble, but now he's saying be confident. Be confident. He loves you. He cares about you. He died for you. He adopted you. He accepts you. He's got a role for you. And the problem is when it comes to the church, some of us either come in being full of ourselves or we go the other way and, and, and we're constantly saying, oh, I'm nothing. Oh, just like Paul, I'm the worst of sinners. In fact, we spend a lot of time trying to look and sound humble to the point that we're useless because we're really rather full of ourselves. Do you know who I'm talking about? Maybe that was you at one point in your life. Oh, not me. Oh, surely not. I'm the worst. I couldn't help. I couldn't serve. I couldn't do. And someone says, thank you. Oh, no, no, no. It's not me. It's the Lord. Struggle is the glory. You know, constantly doing that. And you never take any sort of confidence in the fact that you are gifted. You are loved. You do have a voice. You do have a part to play. And we're so busy trying to appear humble that we're really rather full of ourselves. You're like this person. Do you have any weaknesses? Yes. If there's one weakness that I have is that I'm very humble. Well, la-dee-da, I want that guy, right? Or you're doing the interview and you say, hey, what would people say about you? You know what most people say about me is that I'm just so humble. Well, you just lost the game, bro. 
You're not humble at all. What Paul's saying, by implication, part of our belonging is understanding that we belong, and, and, and it's a humble confidence. I don't deserve to be here, but I am here. It's only by God's grace that I'm on the team, but I'm on the team. I'm on the team. And so, you know, I remember, you know, I, I was, I was uh, issued this jersey for the Charlotte Eagles Soccer Club. That's an original, okay? I didn't buy that. That was given to me. See, there's the logo. There's the crest. I was issued number 18. That's not a starter's number at all, right? I was like number 10 or number 11 my whole career. And then they're like, uh, Vermilia, rookie, 18. Okay, but you know what? I had a number. I had a number for four years. I rocked that number. And it was mine. Put my name right on the back. I could be confident. And that, you know, you know our sponsor. Yeah, I get it. Chick-fil-A. World's greatest fast food restaurant. There'll be Chick-fil-A's in heaven, I'm pretty sure. Right? I was issued a chicken sandwich at the end of every match, whether I played or not. That was my favorite part. I was better than getting paid. Chicken sandwich. After the game, you're starving. You're not hired. And so Paul says, you belong. Be humble, but be confident. You got a jersey. You're on the team. You belong. See, a lot of us, when it comes to church, is, is, is we err on one side or the other. We either think we're God's gift, like I did, or we're spending so much time trying to be humble that we stay invisible. It's a beautiful thing to belong to this team. I'm not talking about the eagles now. I'm talking about to his body, the church. And every single one of us matters. Every single one of us belongs. There's one more part of belonging. That God owns us. We're grateful for Him for that. He clothes us. He puts a jersey on us and says, welcome to the team. But there's one more part. Because we have a special function, and again, in what He said in verse 5, He says, we belong to each other. And if you know where he's going in the rest of Romans 12, this is the implication. Since we belong to him, he's saying be faithful. Be faithful to each other. So be humble, be confident, and be faithful. A lot of people call themselves Christians, but they're not faithful to the team. And if you're not faithful to the team, you're not faithful to Jesus. And what do I mean by faithful? That means you're going to persevere with the team and you're going to play your part with the team this is team 101 I don't care if it's baseball football soccer hockey you know tiddlywinks whatever you're playing if you're on a team this is this is 101 for a marriage this is 101 for a family you're born into the team now be useful to the team how many of us remember a mom saying to us if you're going to be a part of this family you're going to pull your weight now get out there and do whatever right if you listen I'm going to I'm going to make the food you're going to do the dishes come on moms are you with me at all right or how many of you dads are like, if you're a part of this family, this is how we're going to roll. Yeah, you're just being the head coach. Paul is here on behalf of God saying, you all belong to one another and you all have a part to play. He's using the human body as an example. If you're a pinky toe for this team, be the best pinky toe you can possibly be. Be faithful to it. Be faithful to it. 
See, what we do, I know this is what I do because this is is what I did on that pro team, is I spent too much time worrying about what everyone else was doing. My ego got in the way, my pride got in the way, and I was worried about who was playing my position. I remember one time being put into the game, and I was put into a position I never play, right back. I don't play right back, I'm a center midfielder. But you know what? By that time, I was so happy just to be in the game that I was like, I'm going to be the best right back ever. I'm going to be Paolo Maldini. You don't know him. It doesn't matter. I do. He's amazing. And I'm no, yeah, bad example, right? But some of us, we spend so much time worrying about what part we're playing. We don't play any part. Paul says you belong to each other. So be faithful to that. It's kind of like the church is a big, giant pie. Now, public service announcement, pie is the greatest. Pie is superior to cake. Pie is superior to cookies, because it's got fruit in it, a little more, more healthy, right? If it's the right kind of pie. Not this pumpkin pie, what is this, Thanksgiving? I'm talking about real pie. Apple pie, strawberry pie, any kind of berry pie, any kind of cobbler, cobbler. That's just messy pie. Am I making you hungry yet? So church is like a big, giant piece of pie. And when you become a Christian, God gives each one of us a slice of pie. Now, you can whine about the size of your piece. I got too big of a piece. Oh, I can't eat it. Liar. (laughs) Or, man, my piece is really small. Her piece is bigger than my piece. But here's the thing with pie. Does it really matter? You've been given a piece of pie. You're in. Your day just got better. How much more so with the body of Christ? We're each given a slice. And our job, with humility and with confidence, is to be faithful to the piece of pie we've been given. We all have a part to play. See, I think the reason a lot of us don't feel like we belong is we're not faithful with what we've been given to do what God has called us to do. And so I'm I'm just going to tell you right now, and I don't want anybody to be hurt, but if if you're never faithful to the rest of the body of Christ, you're never going to find a church home that can possibly make you happy. Now, I know there's there's good reasons to move from one church to another, but I I just want to say this. If you treat church like a drive-through window where you pull up on the weekends and you say, "Uh, excuse me, I ordered the McDouble. You messed up. I mean, mean, if that's your attitude about church, you're never going to find a church that satisfies. Because church is not intended to be a drive-through fast food Chick-fil-A. Church is intended for you to park your car, go in and say, can I help you make a chicken sandwich? I don't know where that illustration went, but I'm starving, so that's why I said that. (laughs) Be humble, be confident, and be faithful. So back to the Eagles, the way it played out in my life is somewhere, I think it was in my second year, or third, second or third, it must have been my third season, 1996. You know, I told you we had the starters, and then we had the non-starters. And we had this coach, and this was his method. Every week, he would put the starting 11 in a scrimmage against everyone else. 
He wanted to make the starting 11 prepared for the match that weekend. And so he would take those of us that usually weren't starting and he would put us as a scout team. Do you understand what anyone say when a scout team? And he would set us up the way whoever we were playing, the Charleston Battery or the Wilmington Hammerheads or, you know, the Virginia Beach, whatever they were called, right? Uh, and he would set us up like them. And all of us were just hoping to impress the coach. You know, I remember, I think it was sometime during that year, some of us got together and this is what we decided. We decided, you know what? It's not going to do us any good to scrimmage against the first 11 and all play for ourselves. Because if we do that, we're going to get beat, we're going to look bad, and none of us are going to impress the coach and make it into the starting lineup. But what if we worked hard to the best of our abilities and we worked together? What if we did that? Maybe one of us will stand out. Maybe one of us will move up in the pecking order. And even if we don't, it's going to make our team better. And he said, aren't we professionals? My friend Jeff was talking that way. He goes, hey man, we're professionals. We have to change, this was interesting, our mindset. And we committed to it. The scout team, we committed to it. You know what happened in 1996? The scout team never lost to the starting 11. We never lost in those scrimmage games. Oh, we were the worst. I mean, coach, it drove him nuts. And, and, and the starters, they were like, oh, man. I mean, it made them angry. But we loved it. We worked harder, we worked together, we were committed, we were faithful. We'd been humbled, we knew we weren't the best players on the team. We were waiting for our opportunity, five guys to get hurt and two to get pneumonia. (laughs) But we were confident, we had a shirt, and we decided to be faithful and say, you know what, we belong here. And we didn't lose that entire year, and we took great pride in it, in fact... I think some of the best goals I've ever scored, I scored in those scrimmages. You know what was cool? We got to the end of the season and our team made the playoffs. In fact, we marched all the way through the playoffs. This was, the, this was for the entire United States. Our team made it to the championship game. And just like the Buckley Bears this year in basketball, we came one game short. But we made it to the champ. I mean, it's a big deal, Right? National championship, we came in second place. 1996, and can I tell you something? I didn't play a minute of that game. In fact, for that game, I didn't even dress. I sat in the stands with my wife. We took second place. And there was awards for that. And although I didn't play, I can tell you this, is that when the game was over, I got one of these. That's an original, USISL 1996 National Championship second place medal. And you could look at that and say, well, you know what? He didn't even play. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. I got in the best shape of my life 
and I fought every practice, every scrimmage, every opportunity. And when my number was called that season, I stepped in. And when I was asked to sit in the stands, I sat in the stands. And it was humbling, but I was on the team, and I was faithful. And you know what? I was a part of it. I was a part of it. Now, how much more for the family of God? How much more to say that we get to be a part of something greater than ourselves? That's athletics. The USISL is defunct. It's been absorbed into the USL and something else, right? But you know what will last forever? The church. You know that's the only thing that's going to last the apocalypse is the church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's the only, heaven and earth will pass away. He's going to rebuild this whole thing. Even our bodies, thank God, are going to be rebuilt. But you know what's not going to be rebuilt? The only thing that lasts is going to be the church. And you belong. If you're a child of God, you belong. You belong in the sense that He owns you. That should humble you. But in the sense that He owns you, that should give you confidence. And so because of that, you belong. The admonition is be faithful. Show up. Every person here matters. Everyone plays a part. You have a part to play. And some of us... It's been so long that, that we've never stepped into that role and we're still questioning, do I belong here? If there's no waste of words in Scripture, Paul's saying, you belong. You just have to find your special function. Do I matter here? Yes. There's relationships here that are waiting on you to belong to them. And it's not, it's not for us to sit here and say, well, I don't want to belong to these people. Sorry. What do they say? You can choose your friends. You can't choose your family. You can't choose your family. So either we believe we're a part of the organism or we're not. We either believe we're a part of the team or we're not. We either believe that we're part of the family or we continue to act like we're not. But you belong. And so today, some of us, some of us know we don't belong. Because we haven't trusted Christ. We haven't received Jesus. And just like every week, we invite you today to trust Christ. You can belong to this family. You can belong to this team. You can sign on the dotted line and say, He sacrificed for me. I offer myself as a sacrifice back. God, I need you to change my heart. I need you to change my mind. That can happen today. I believe that for many of us, today's a day that we begin... To have our minds renewed to understanding, yes, you belong here. You don't feel like you're worthy? Don't worry. None of us are worthy. Be humble. But are you going to beat yourself down and stay low and, and just be useless for the team? Nope. Be confident. You've been selected. You have a shirt. You've been adopted. You belong. And now since we belong, we're called to be faithful. To be useful, no matter what part he calls you to play. And in the next couple weeks, we're going to start to figure out together what that part might be. So it's fitting today that we celebrate communion. Communion is a memorial that Jesus initiated. 
by which we celebrate the gospel, that we celebrate what He's done for us. We celebrate what He did on the cross. That's the only way we can be a part of this body. That's the only way that we can be a part of this team. And so I would ask you even right now, if you would go ahead and bow your heads. The scripture tells us that if, that if we're not a Christian, that this, this memorial is not for you. And so I would say if you're not a Christian today, we invite you uh, just to respectfully stay seated during this time. Not We're not trying to single you out, but this is, this is not a memorial for you. But if you are a Christian, we're going to invite you in a few moments to come and, and take of the bread and take of the cup. Scripture also tells us that we should not ever take communion in an unworthy manner. And so if there's sin in your life, this is a great time to spend time repenting of sin, to ask forgiveness, whether it's a heart attitude or some activity or something that you know that you know that you know is sin. We build in this time so you can spend a little time in prayer and and making a clean heart before God. But one of the great things about communion, too, is that we participate in this memorial. And it's an act of belonging. By faith, we take the bread. By faith, we take the cup. By faith, we celebrate that because of what Jesus did on a cross, that's why we belong. And it's called communion because in, the, in these moments, we're going to commune with God in a very practical and tangible way. But we also commune with each other, this thing called church that we belong to, because we're sharing a small meal together. So this morning, as, as you take communion, my hope and my prayer is that you would sense a belonging to God and that together we would be grateful for it. Humbled surely, confident as well in this being loved, but that we would be grateful. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice on a cross by which we can belong to the church, that we can belong to your body, we can belong to God, that we can be forgiven. God, I thank you for your gospel plan and your great love and mercy that by grace, through faith, we can receive this. God, I pray today that we would feel that we belong. No matter how long we've been a part of church, no matter how long we've been away, that this would be real to us. And God, that that would humble us, but that would also encourage us. And would you help us, God, to be faithful to that for your glory and our joy. And it's in Jesus' strong name that we pray. Church, when you're ready, we invite you to come.